You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith, and today's guest is a black belt who owns Mac Training Academy located in Hazen, North Dakota. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Mack. Hello, everybody. How's it going, sir? Man, it's good. It's good. A lot of good stuff going on. I'm I'm busy, but I'm sure you know how that goes, especially if you got a podcast and jujitsu and all the other things you got going on in your life. Busy, busy, man. Busy, busy. But uh, first and foremost, man, I'd like to you know thank you for coming and uh, you know taking time out to do an episode with me. Greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. I'm super excited for this. I'm I'm very pumped. Awesome, man. Well, let's get it rolling, man. If you want to formally introduce yourself uh, again, by all means, and let's hear about your jiu-jitsu journey. Okay. Um, so again, I'm Joey Mack. I got my black belt in 2020 from Amal Easton, outside of uh, Easton Training Academy in the Denver metro area. Amal uh, is mm-hmm. a black belt under Henzo Gracie, who just got his coral belt, and then yeah. the lineage from there. Uh, I've had kind of a wide array of jujitsu and just martial arts experience. I would, uh, I would call myself kind of, a not quite a, what's that term that's usually negative Creante or something. Uh, yeah, Creante. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there was jokes every once in a while. Cause uh, in Easton in Denver is a, uh, it's a huge set of schools. It's not just one Academy. So Amal's main schools in Boulder. And then Elliot Marshall is out of Denver. And then they've got like whew, seven other schools now, I think, within the, mm-hmm. the Denver metro area, plus all their other black belts that have traveled outside of that. But like the actual Easton Academy school is uh, compri- compromi- comprised of about, I think, nine academies now at this point. So it's it's oh. a big network of schools and um I was kind of on that note of the Creante, right? I I was the guy who like I and it was allowed. I would go train in Boulder, I'd train in Denver, I trained in Arvada, I jumped all over the place wherever mm-hmm. wherever there was somebody who had something to teach me, I went. So, and that's kind of just been my journey in general as far as I'm very open to learning. I know it, I'm not quite as far as the old school, like I'm loyal to my instructors, but I'm, I'm one that I believe everybody can teach you something about jujitsu or martial arts in general. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. And so I, the background of how it all came to, cause I actually moved to Colorado to get my black belt to train under Mall Easton. And so I started out in a little powerlifting gym here in Hazen, North Dakota, which is my hometown. That would have been probably a senior in high school. I was training mm-hmm. with a, a mentor of mine that he was in the military. So he had some very water form of jujitsu grappling experience. He had boxing experience. And then he also had some experience from law enforcement in Oakland. And so basically I was like, can you teach me how to box? And it just kind of, we went from there. We got, uh, we got books. We got those Gracie books and a Muay Thai book. And we, that's how I started in high school. And uh, learning from books was definitely experience. I actually just posted on my Instagram 
Uh, I found two of the old books that I we used to look at. And so I posted those on there for people to see. And uh, but anyway, so then from there, I went to Fargo to get an engineering degree. So I have a mechanical engineering degree. But oh, I probably, nice. yeah, I probably spent more time training jujitsu and Muay Thai while I was there than I did doing school, you know, and I so, believe it. <laughs> Yeah. And so four <laughs> years into it, uh, four or five years, I got my purple belt. Well, I, once I graduated and then it was like, well, where do I go from here? And I was totally a small town guy who wasn't going to go and leave North Dakota. And by the time through jujitsu and then some various other things within martial arts, I was like, well, why don't I just go to the source? Why don't I go to go to Colorado and train under my instructor's instructor? So uh, the school mm -hmm. academy I was at was Fargo BJJ. And then I just, he was under them all. And then after I left, it got, I got my purple belt and then I left for Colorado. And I mean, if I was even more ambitious and I would have known more back then, I didn't really know as much. I would have probably even just said, let's go even further and just go to Henzo's Academy in New York. And I probably would have moved to New York, but all right. Colorado was a good, good fit in that regard. So I went out and I, I moved there, got a job and man, uh, I wasn't, I was about an hour, hour and a half away from the actual Boulder Academy. So there was a, an, a, mm -hmm. one of the black belts under them all that I trained at his academy during the week. And then on the weekends, mm -hmm. I traveled at least two days, two to three days a week, like Friday, Saturday, Oh wow! go down, train with those guys and get in as much as I could. And, and then eventually I did end up getting into the Denver Metro and training mainly out of Denver and Boulder. So that was, uh, I, I, at, with that, I trained, I mean, I was the guy who during college, I think it was like two a days plus weight training plus striking. Mm. And then by the time I was kind of around that brown belt, I had started training with the elevation fight team out of uh, Denver. So okay. real, real, really wide experience as far as it goes. Right. And then... Yeah. A lot of things to talk about, but the the last piece that I find interesting within the whole lineage of things and how things formed. So I actually also have a, an instructorship in Muay Thai, and that came from uh, an instructor of mine in the Fargo area, uh, John Collins, and he he has an instruct his instructor is Arjan Chai Sirisut. I don't know if you've ever heard the name or are familiar at all. No, uh, unfortunately not. But he brought he's actually who brought Muay Thai to the U.S. And so I'm oh, okay. under, under him through my instructor, I went and tested for Chai in person. And so the, the funniest part that ties all this in is Amal Easton. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but I mean, uh, either way, he actually started in Muay Thai under Chai. And I, I didn't know that until way later, until I almost, I think I was a brown belt by the time I actually figured that out. So it's just oh, funny. Wow. Everybody kind of knows everybody at a certain point. I mean, everybody can kind of tie back to the same couple of people for the most part is for what I've experienced It all, you know, branches down. So small world. And that's why I'm super pumped to be on this podcast. Yeah. Small, small world indeed, man. So, um, so when did you, when did you get hooked? Like when did like jujitsu like really just took over for you? Man, probably just immediately when we started doing it from the books. And it wasn't it wasn't what it is when you're in a formal academy. We're talking like we'd look at a picture and you'd be like, 
uh, I think that's what he's doing because this was right around when YouTube was starting. So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of content that I knew. No. <laughs> you know? And so right. you, you started to see some videos and that was more after I started, but it was mainly like, look at the picture and I go, this looks like what they're doing. And then we do it. And I remember accidentally popping a couple shoulders, you know, I kind of that early stage Ooh. before there was some control and, and understanding you just got guys that were just rolling around and grabbing each other from the pictures and going, you know, trying to take care of each other, but just silly stuff happens because there wasn't anybody to lead the way. It was us just going from a book. And then that changed once I went to the formal academy. And But where I was hooked was from the books because even though it was what I would call scrappy and mm-hmm. we just figured what we could and could do, it uh, it was amazing how well it worked. You know, I'm sure like a lot of people, I think, get into martial arts because of being bullied, picked on, whatever, want some confidence. Mm -hmm. I was definitely one of those type of people. And man, like my buddies who would wrestling, right? You got your wrestling buddies. So they had some grappling experience. They were ready to talk smack. And we were we were training and I'd only been training for like two months out of books. And they they came in to come try it out with us. Right. Because we talk them into it, like, come check it out. And man, just throttle them. And that that sold it for me right it worked it just it worked mm-hmm. and then once once i would that was the hook and i just summer i trained all summer i i actually it was the only sport i quit i was in high school track uh it was march and my mentor could only train on saturdays and track meets were on saturdays and it was between track or martial arts and i was like sorry so i that's the only <laughs> i've ever quit and i wouldn't go back ever ever, ever. Never. So, so I, we trained through the summer and then August came around and he, he looked it up on the internet. He's like martial arts academies in Fargo and he found the one and then uh, in Fargo BJJ. And then we just went from there. He's like, go check it out. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then that was that. Nice. So how was, how was that transition from, you know, from what you were self-taught to like actually joining the school? I think the hardest part was I felt like I was competent ish and wanted to Mm -hmm. progress and have the instructor trust me. And looking back, I mean, there's nothing that he should have done really differently. Right. Like trust the process. I I don't know if you've heard that, but right. Just trust the process, especially in the beginning stages. I mean, as you get to purple belt, the process is kind of your own responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, I just, I got there and I was hungry and I asked, I'm huge on asking questions and that hasn't changed. And I just absorbed whatever I could. I was that, I was that white belt who's like, okay, they get you here. He's showing a technique and you're like, how do I get out of this? Right. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was that white belt and I'm still that yeah. white belt for sure. I know. Right. We're all that white belt at heart. Right. Yeah. We're just a little bit more experienced. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. But so with um, your school, Mac Training Academy, uh, how long have you, how long have you had your school? So we moved back mid 2020 when everything was going on with COVID. And so Mm. I don't even know if I have a formal start date. I'd have to like look at some documents or look at pictures. Cause basically as soon as I got back, I'd grabbed the mentor who started with me 
actually has now become my student. He's been training with me since I got back. Basically, privates during that COVID was almost every day. We just would do stuff. And uh, so he, he's he been promoted to Blue Belt, and uh, he's in his 50s. So he's he's hungry, and he's he's got a goal to be a black belt someday. And the, the initial teacher has now become the student, and it's it's a cool little cycle to see between the the two but i don't really have a formal start date it probably it, it all started with buddies like hey i just want to train just come hang out with me i'll teach you for free i don't really care right mm -hmm. and so anybody that took advantage got basically free lessons from a black belt just to train and so i had somebody so i was teaching and staying very absorbed into it and then i started getting a couple people who were like hey I'd be interested in that. And that's where, as far as my time, you know, the value of my time and how much free time I have to, to give away uh, between a wife and two kids and dogs and businesses and all sorts of stuff. I, I was like, well, I can't just teach these people for free. And so I started mm -hmm. looking at what can I do from like a private lesson standpoint? And that's how that started. So I just started saying, Hey, I'll, it was a, it was a, a gentleman and his three sons. And so that's basically how Mac Training Academy started. It was he wanted privates and we started training them and and then it turned into more people and then it turned into, well, let's just have a formal class. And and it's it's only part time right now. It, I'm in a very small town area. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. kind of kind of what I I don't know if I'd call it a beta test. We've really been starting to grow now, um, but it's uh, it's mainly a part time school. I do work full time as an engineer, but I'm looking at transitioning further out of that. So, uh, toughest part is population. So small town. And when I say small, what area are you in exactly? Uh, Detroit, Detroit. Oh yeah. So I, I'm in a town of like 3000 people. You're talking like a County of like maybe eight or 10,000 people. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I've got to, I mean, I've been really increasing numbers. Things have been starting to go uh, since I, I would say, let's call it 2021. When I started, I'm starting to see more mm -hmm. students. I'm getting into like the 35, 40 range for, for people for, and for how small a town it is, that's not bad. You know, that's and, not bad at all. Yeah. And you know, with attrition rates and losses, you lose people through jujitsu, just life and injuries and whatever. But a lot of people who are with us have basically just been sticking with us. Um, and then things have kind of pushed, comes to shove with some different stuff. And there's a, uh, a very hungry blue belt that he opened his own spot in a town about an hour away from me. And so I have an affiliate that, uh, oh, wow. that I travel to monthly. And then he comes to see me and I get him a curriculum and uh, have been learning and building from there. And I'm looking at opening a full-time academy uh, in a larger city called Bismarck, which is the state capital of North Dakota, which is about an hour from me as well. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, lots of, lots of different things, probably not your normal path that most people do when they start an academy, but I'm just grabbing whatever I can and going with it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a fast moving work in progress though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're talking in the span of, you know, three years, that's pretty awesome for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I, I'm, I've opened it up to a couple other academies that I know I have maybe one or two that might be interested, not academies. They're almost more like clubs, uh, but uh, having somebody as far as an, some additional affiliates, I've opened that up. 
um, to some more people, groups. And then I, I still do a lot of privates. And, and then, like I said, yeah, looking what a full-time academy would look like. So for now, kind of my middle mid-range goal or plan is uh, a full-time academy in Bismarck. I My schedule, I actually only do uh, two classes a week, and they're back-to-back mm-hmm. on Tuesdays. I have one kids and one adults. And then everything else is private lessons from there, just, again, from the numbers from my area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, my plan is to keep this in place. I would come still teach on a Tuesday night, and then I would just teach the other nights in the other academy. And then as things grow, plan on getting to the Dickinson Academy more. And, and yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's awesome though. Yeah, man. I, it, it, it sounds awesome. Like I'm just, you know, planning in my head, like, dude, just balancing, you know, like, you know, like you said, you know, marriage and, you know, kids and businesses and work. And, you know, I'm in that same boat, you know, I'm married, got two kids. I work full time. I, I do this every night so and i still try to keep up on training and competing so it's it's a lot of moving parts man but it's it's all jujitsu though so i guess it's fine how old are your kids um seven and three yeah seven and three my daughter just turned uh three uh earlier this month okay awesome do they do do they do jujitsu my my oldest does she does my seven-year-old she she uh she trains I can't wait to get my third one, my uh, my three year old in there. Maybe okay. one day, but she's a little hyperactive. You know, she's a little bit on the like she's on the spectrum, so she's not like she'll probably go in and see the other kids and start playing. So you know, give her a little bit more time before cool. she starts. Cool. Yeah, I actually, we, like, we, I got some... go ahead. No, I would say we all train. I, I train. My daughter trains. My wife trains. So okay. Yeah, it's fun times. Fun times. I, Talking about uh, kids on a, a spectrum, I had um, I had actually had a group private that I ended up doing. He was it was a five year old and his four or three year old brother, more so. So he had a partner, but the five year old was autistic. And you want to talk about a learning curve on teaching um, one just young, right? Really young. And yeah. his grandma brought him to me because he had um, behavioral problems. He was pulled from his family. Um, so he's with his grandma. And so, uh, getting him in there and being able to focus in his energies and also focus in, um, his learning style was super unique. And then I, it, 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 this is where it's a small world. My blue belt had a buddy who came to visit and they came up and did a private with me to train. And, he was autistic. His, his buddy came up and was autistic and man, talk about giving me some enlightening tips for how he thinks and how he thought I could help apply it to a, a, a kid. And man, it, there were some awesome tips that it, this kid was noticeably different after mm-hmm. probably eight to 12 weeks of doing private lessons with me. And, uh, he unfortunately stopped cause I think him and his brother started doing a little hockey or maybe just his brother did. I don't know if he was able to do hockey, but man, I'm, I'd love to get him back in and and see where he's progressed since then. Because there's a lot of he came from an abusive home. There's a lot of behavioral issues, and uh, seeing the difference jujitsu did in his life the the respect the the ability to 
not I shouldn't quite say manage his emotions, but be able to kind of deal with it during a one hour class with me. Uh, mm-hmm. The 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 touch between people, right? Because it's when you're when you're doing jujitsu, some kids that are autistic, it's very difficult to have that physical space or touch. Things can be it's all over. Yeah, the hyper. Yeah, just hypersensitive to some senses. Yeah. Yeah, and we had one, maybe two days of classes where he just, he kind of broke down and we just had to work through it and work from it and, and bring it back. And it, it was, I think I almost learned more than he probably did. He, he started, you know, being five, I, I try to give little kids credit, right? It, they can only mm-hmm. absorb so much, but man, he started being able to basically do the warm up and, and doing moves and, it's it's more play at that point. It's more, hey, show me the guard. Let me see it. Yeah, grab him with your mm-hmm. leg. And the difference in his life was so cool. So I, I hope to see more of that. And I think for a lot of people, I don't know if you've had any autistic people on your show or anything, but uh, the the guy that I trained with had some super cool insights. The, one of the biggest one was he told me sometimes they can be not looking at you, which for most of us is where we want eye contact. Pay attention watch the technique, right? They don't have mm-hmm. to be looking at you. The best one he had, he's like, just give him something to hold. Just give him something that like, he has to focus on this and he can hold this and pay attention to you. It's like he, he was able to do multiple channels at once. And so I had, I had like a lacrosse ball and I just like, Hey, hold this. And it was, mm-hmm. it's, it was impressive how well he just took to it. He'd grab it and then he'd pay attention to me. And we just had to find, awesome. find stuff like that. So and you know, and it's and that just goes back to what my instructor says. Um, because I I had to, I know I, I taught today, so he's like, you know, I'll be in later. And he was saying, like, you know, I just come in and you know, learn with you guys. And he was like, Yeah, believe it or not, black belts can learn from you know, learn from their students or learn from other people. And that's just a prime example there, because you know, you know, you being an instructor is one thing. But you're, you know, you're teaching a kid is another. And then on top of that, they're on, you know, they're on the, they're on the spectrum. So it's like, you don't, you're not used to it. So how do you handle situations like that? But yeah, just, you know, being able to take the time out to learn it, you know, learn how to do it. And like I said, it, it, the kid did a complete 180 when it came to his behavior and stuff. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. Awesome. Indeed. Yeah. It's, there's so many things I just want to talk about you. There's, you brought up so much stuff, but uh, with learning from anybody. So one of my best stories of this, because I believe you can be a white belt and I'll learn something from you. And sometimes that's what not to do, right? It's like mm-hmm. you do that here. But there was mm-hmm. a white belt at one of Amal's classes that I had taken. And he did this little, it was like a funky half guard sweep where he wrapped his leg over the top of my thigh from the outside with the outside of his leg and then did this like bump over. And I was like, man, that was slick. What did you do there? And Amal was walking Mm -hmm. and he comes over and he's like, oh yeah, I remember when, and I wish I could remember the other guy's name, but some, there was an MMA fight where somebody did that to Andre Galvao. And I, I can always, if I look it up, I eventually can find it. But he's like, yeah, there was a, this guy did that to Andre Galval and his, in his, uh, 
MMA fight. And then Amal comes over after I had asked them that question and shows us like a series off of that sweep. And you know how that instructions, like sometimes they forget more than we know. Right. They would, he wouldn't have remembered anything like that to show me unless like it just popped in his head after seeing, seeing him show it to me. And it turned into this three part series that he's like, yeah, check this out. You can do this, this, and this. And so I learned a whole new technique series from a white belt because I was willing to ask a question. I mean, obviously, I'm all yeah, the techniques, but, you know, that's that's prime for me. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I usually um, like if I if I have to teach class and it's like I, I don't necessarily like think of a lesson plan for the day. I'll either go off of what we did like the previous day or the previous week or I'll just be like, hey, what do you guys want to know? Like, what's your, what are you struggling with? Like, what techniques are you having problems with? And they'll be like, oh, you know, can you do X, Y, Z? And I'm like, all right, show me what you know, and then we'll fix it. And then we'll wrap it a couple of times and they'll just go across the room. And yeah, there's been so many times where they'll see something and they'll be like, hey, is it possible if someone put their arm here or if they put this here, can you do this? And it's like, okay, well, let's see. It's like, well, dang, even I didn't see that. That's pretty dope. And then we'll work that. And, you know, just, you know, everyone, everyone can teach and everyone can learn, I, I feel. That's my biggest hesitation because I'm only 31. So I'm still in mm-hmm. competitive type age and I still got that in there. And so mm-hmm. my biggest hesitation when we moved back and doing the academy was I don't want to be the teacher. I want to focus on improving myself and still being the student. And my, mm-hmm. one of my mentors, Foster Bailey, he, he always told me, he's like, man, you'll learn more from teaching. And I was always like, no, 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 I won't. You know, I like, I'll just come and I'll ask questions and I'll absorb from all these experts. And he wasn't wrong. I started, since I've started teaching, I feel like my jujitsu, at least comprehension has exploded. Because now I don't only have to understand it for myself. I have to understand it for everybody else in the room and be able to explain it to people who learn in different styles, learn in different ways, communicate differently. And so now instead of knowing it one way, I need to know it four more ways. And I have to be able to convey that to them mm-hmm. and communicate it. Yeah. That's the other piece is, you know, yeah. how do you like ch- between children and adults, even adults don't always know what you're talking about. But when you say, hey, pivot, a little kid might not know what a pivot means, right? Mm-hmm. So you either have to find a way to tell them that or show them that. And that in a less kiddie version has to be shown to adults too. Because it's it's kind of the same thing. You just don't know what you don't know. Right, right. But what, um, but what helps me a lot um, when it came to teaching was kids class. Kids class has been a tremendous help when it came to me teaching because it's like, okay, I have to practice patience because, you know, their attention span is like, you know, two seconds. So then if I take a technique, I have to be able to break it down to a point where they can, you know, understand every single section of it. And in turn, it's like, okay, well, that helps me see a lot more. And then I have to teach it to an adult. And it's like, man, I can't get X, Y, Z right. Okay, like what part are you getting? What part are you messing up on? And then, you know, just fix it and be able to adjust it from there. So I, yeah, I, you know, besides having an awesome instructor, but yeah, just teaching kids classes has definitely been a big, big help for myself personally. Absolutely. Personally. 
it's crazy how much I've had to figure out how to explain how to hip out to people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for me, I'm just like, you know, get on your shoulder, bridge your hips up, get your head going forward and your butt going back. You should end in an L shape. Right. That's if I usually break it down, that's my simple version. But for those people who like start kicking their and flailing their feet or like ro- drag their shoulder all over the place or almost roll over under their belly. I mean, just random things where you're like, okay, how can I, how can I explain this to you? So it, my pivot on your shoulder obviously is not clicking. So how can I make mm-hmm. this click for you? And right. between kids and even adults. I mean, I think honestly, sometimes I think the adults struggle with that one more than the kids do. <laughs> but it does, it just changes your, your comprehension level. Cause now it's like those six details that I think are simple are not so simple. We need right. more. So for sure, for sure. But um, so do you so you do do you uh compete? The last time I competed was I believe February of was it nineteen when did COVID actually hit? I don't even remember anymore. Was it nineteen or twenty? Um twenty. Well, it was it was like the end of it was like October esque, like October okay. of like twenty nineteen. Okay. Because yeah, around that time, and then the shutdown happened in March. Okay, so I think it was February of twenty twenty then, because I would no, was it before that? Ah, man, all this jujitsu just starts to be a blur. It was it was just prior to COVID. It was a fight to win pro event, okay. and I had. One by decision, I believe. And something like that. Yeah, I, yep. And so I I always get joke with my wife about this. So my wife's a, a D1 track athlete, and she always goes, I was oh. a D1 track athlete. And I was like, technically, I was a professional athlete because I got paid. And so she she gets a little jab on that one. But yeah, that was the last time I competed. So it was like just pre-COVID, pre-2020-ish. Has been, I think, the last time that I, I formally competed. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so, so I'm looking um, to get into it now that things have kind of, yeah, sort of leveled out. I'm still training a ton, so I'm I'm ready to. Maybe I should just hit up fight to win and see if I can get on another card here. Yeah, man. Because it's it's been it's been challenging trying to find that balance. Because um, when I. When I get ready to start doing more recordings for the show, you know, I got my my my, my like my month planned out and everything else, and it's like, okay, I got Grappling Industries in April, and I'm completely forgot about it, honestly. And then I checked my I checked the email, and it was like, you know, Grappling Industries, blah blah, blah. and it's like, okay, let me go ahead and sign up for it because I I meant to, and I looked at the date, I was like, okay, April first, and I looked again, I was like, oh shit, that's next week. <laughs> like I've been just there, like I said, just been so busy with you know with training and the podcast and work. And I looked at the schedule, I'm like, oh crap, man, this stuff is tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm a so big luckily, so I train West Side Barbell style for weight training and conditioning. And their okay. philosophy is you should always be ready to compete. I don't know if you've heard of yeah. West Side Barbell at all. No. No. Well, anyway, so that's that's kind of trickled over into my martial arts is like 
I agree with you. It's nice to be prepared and ready, but at the end of the day, it's like, I just, if, if somebody were to hit me up and next week they're like, I got a, I got a match or a tournament or whatever, I would, I'm just, I gotta be ready to compete. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, I told myself, um, like this time when I realized like how close it was, I was like, dude, I can't, I can't, I can't do this again. I can't let this, I can't just let that time just slip past me again. So I'm just getting uh, myself ready for for this one, and then I think there's another one in. Oh, I want to say June or July, June. They have is another tournament in June, so I'm like, okay, after this tournament, we're gonna make sure we stay on top of you know our conditioning and you know really really training because trying to shove so much time in like a couple of days. Nah, can't do that no more. Especially yeah. can like you know compete in a brown belt. Like, nah, you can't can't do that no more. Yeah. Do you prefer to compete in the gi or no gi? Um I prefer gi. And uh this tournament will be my first time competing in no gi. Okay. So I've been, you know, I've I fell in love with no gi, you know, just training. And every time I get a chance to, I I, I train no gi because We've been doing gi so much, but ready to, you know, I'm just excited to see how it goes, man. I'll, you know, win or lose, I'm just excited to get out there and, and compete. You really do learn a lot when you compete. I, there's still things from my last match that I have been working, things that I would consider weaknesses that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So going into that match, I probably should have done more of a game plan as far as strategy goes. Because I had been, uh, I think you and I had talked about this prior when we first connected. I'm big on self-defense. And so prior mm-hmm. to this, I had been doing lots of wrestling classes and lots of takedowns. And so that was my intent was to show I was going to come in here and get a takedown, be on top and work it. And the guy I ended up going against was, a, I, I believe, a, a high-level college D1 wrestler. He was out of California, like a crazy crazy Baja or something out of mm-hmm. – out of California, I'd have to have to go back and look, but um, came in and I wanted to go like toe to toe with him. And man, he just tossed me around as far as wrestling went, you know. Um, but besides that, there were a couple things that I felt like I needed to improve on from the ground. But for the most part, it turned into him just trying to take me down and then not actually really engaging and me trying to work and as soon as i would start to come around the corner to either take his back from the bottom after getting taken down or whatever he'd just stand up and then we'd repeat and then i had a couple you know submission attempts and different things and i was i was actually trying to do jujitsu and get a take and get submissions and so that's why i ended up winning but Mm -hmm. as far as the takedown aspect it was game plan wise i guess uh, you know i either need more wrestling or uh needed to come in with a different idea so yeah, man, it's it's. I find it weird, um, like, com- uh, competing. Well, I I guess I should say coming up with a with a game plan, because you know my instructor. We had a conversation um, back in January when I did uh, my second tournament, and he was like, "So, what's your game plan?" I was like, "Not a clue. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't have like you know a, a go-to type deal, but I'm like, you know, I just want to go out there and have fun. Like I'll work what I can, but if I was to try to think of like, okay, I'm gonna try this strategy. I'm gonna try this. I'm 
going to forget it. And it's, I'm going to be like, uh, what was I supposed to be doing? And then it's going to make it worse. I'm like, nope, just just go out there and have fun. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's that's a good way to go about it. Mine, it was just, it was the ego thing. I wanted to I wanted to prove my takes down as I had gotten better. I wanted to get on top and dominate. And mm-hmm. I knew he was a wrestler. So I it was more of a pride thing because my one of my uh, coaches, uh, Elliot Marshall, told me, he's like, pull guard. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. why would I pull guard? You know, speak that blasphemy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on my takedowns. I'm gonna take this fool down. Nope, <laughs> that's not how it went. So I tried to do more of like a push and bowl in the china shop, and it didn't work out for me since he knew what he was doing. So, and I wasn't gotcha. quite there yet. Yeah, my my game plan was like uh, do better than what you did last time. <laughs> <laughs> I always like. No, what's up? No, I was uh, go ahead. I I always just try to even if even if I do well in a, in a match, what things did uh did I do poorly so that I can fix those things, or what things mm-hmm. did I could I have improved upon? And that's that's where for me I was so stuck on wrestling. It's like man, I need to be able to start applying my game from the feet, not just from the ground. Mm. Yeah, like um like the first tournament I did, you know, God took me down, submitted me quick. And so I was like, okay, second tournament, I just wanted to go longer. That was like my game plan. Like keep myself more calm and, you know, work everything that didn't work last time. It did. The matches did last longer. So I was like, okay, small victory. Still tap. You still got tapped. But I was like, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. Hey, that's so, a victory. That's a learning. Yeah. That's a learning process. Yeah, man. The guys that I, um, I uh, competed with was – cool guys um uh, one guy he's actually supposed to have been on an episode but i have i had to catch up back up with him but yeah man this you know the community is always welcoming and you know it's it's fun the vibes is always good when it comes to jujitsu especially at tournaments because everyone's there for the same reason go out there do jujitsu do something we love and have you know have fun and yeah you just meet some of the most awesome people that you're ever going to meet doing jujitsu you know yeah and from all walks of life, you can you can be doing. I mean, it, it's really true with some of those memes you see, where like you can be a cop, you could be a criminal, you could be, you know, it it, it, it doesn't matter. Like you you show up, you put a gi on or no gi, and you just go out and train. And and it's like a, a universal language of grappling, you know. Even yeah. if it's from different gyms or styles, you can just jump in there and a pretty uh, fairly universal slap and bump and hit it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember like when, um, a couple, like, you know, a couple months ago when I, you know, cross trained for the first time and, you know, I was like, I was more nervous about that than competing. Cause like, you know, I'm like, I, I don't want to go in here. I don't want to be like a, you know, just run through people and I, I don't want to go get my ass kicked either. So I was like, okay, just, just trying to find a happy medium. But yeah, you know, they're they're more heavy competition style school. So a lot of the movements I had to like kind of like, okay, all right, oh, okay, we're doing this. All right, let's go. And you know, <laughs> just kind of you know catch up on the fly. But man, it was kind of like one of the best times I've ever had. You know, and was awesome that cross training at another jujitsu gym or a different style like judo or something? Oh no, it was a um it was a another jujitsu gym. Okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't 
jumped anything else. I thought about it. I was like, well, after Black Belt, maybe I should pick up like something to like correlate with jujitsu. And I was like, oh, okay, there's judo. But I'm like, do I want to get thrown a lot? <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Uh, nah, <laughs> I'm That's, okay. <laughs> a lot of wear on the body. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like jujitsu was enough, you know, from, you know, cranks and twists and turns and, you know, arm bars and just body being contorted all over the place. And it's like, I'm already doing that. Do I want to get slammed 40, 50 times a day? Yeah. Nah. I, I tried yeah. it for, I think, a month. And it, at the time, it was more of like a time and a money thing where I'm just like, man, I got, I'm paying for jujitsu. I'm traveling on the weekends for jujitsu. I'm literally only going to make it to your school one time a night. And the guy was like, Nope, the, the rates, the rate. And I was like, all right, bummer. You know, I'd like to keep going and doing it, but it just is what it is. And to be fair with all the technology, I can find a lot of YouTube videos or somebody who's in the jujitsu gym that did judo, who's willing to just show me some stuff and work with me and, Sometimes that's almost better anyways, because they're going to show you stuff where it's like, yeah, yeah, don't do that because it's not going to get you in a good spot or here, do this differently because this is what's going to be better for when you're doing a throw or a sweep or whatever. So, right. Because it's like, it's not like, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, judo is a, I guess you want to say a big part of uh, jujitsu. Yep. Um, you know, they're, they're like, you know, cousins and it's like, okay, I just need a couple. I don't need a lot of throws. I just need me a couple to get this thing on the ground so I can I can work my jujitsu. I need this. I need this much judo. <laughs> it's just yep. just that much. So exactly. Do you do any other martial arts? Do you do any striking um, or anything besides the jujitsu? Or I've I've played around with boxing. Um, I've done MMA, but right now it's just been strictly jujitsu. Like we we do have a uh, striking well kickboxing uh, program at our school, but I'm thinking maybe like after um, in a couple months when I get some more free time, I'll probably start hopping in that class. You know why not, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, That's like, when I so I pretty well did it all together at the same time. I mainly focused on jujitsu, but I did uh, all the started kickboxing and then it was Muay Thai and stuck with that from there and whatever kind of wrestling takedown classes I could do. But by the time I was about a brown belt, I was like, okay, it's time to just kind of take a little pause on striking and stuff. If I can get in once a week, maybe cool. But if not, the focus is to get my black belt. Now I was a brown belt. I had set a goal originally when I first started to get a black belt before I, uh, before hitting 10 years. And so I just stuck my head down and, and went for that. And so I took a little time yeah. from that, but since I got back, I've been kind of teaching privates for that as well. So uh, <laughs> no formal classes there, but I incorporate strikes into my classes because for me, the so jiu-jitsu is it's self-defense. It should be your first and foremost. And then you can bench to gi, no gi, competition, whatever. Yeah. But the, I think it's another thing, another reason why I didn't um, like – venture out and find another martial art is because I'm so close to black. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, do I want to risk it? You know, yeah. I'm like, cause even like now, like I got you know, <laughs> my knees bother me, my ankles bother me, the, the, the typical jujitsu stuff. Right. 
Yeah. And I'm like, man, I should, I should really go get this checked out. And my, you know, one of my training partners is like, dude, just just wait till you get your black belt. <laughs> just, just wait till you get your black belt, and then then you go in and get yourself checked out because if because you will kill yourself if you have to sit out. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll be mad regardless, you know, if I if a black belt or a brown belt. But it's like I think it would hurt more if I was like a brown belt and it's like, yeah, you gotta do surgery, you gotta take six months off. Like, nah. Yeah. Just tape just tape it up and <laughs> I'll figure out the rest for sure. And that's the other beautiful thing, though, is you can stay connected just because of technology and YouTube or BJJ Fanatics videos and all sorts of stuff. You know, I when I first started, I actually it was basically nine months of school and then I'd come home every summer to work to make money for school. And mm-hmm. so I would take three months off of jujitsu sort of every semester, every year after the semester was over. But mm-hmm. I would come home and I would, I was already showing buddies moves then, you know, I was a white belt showing buddies moves. And every, every summer I'd, then I was a blue belt showing buddies moves and just practicing and watching YouTube videos and doing mental jujitsu in my head. And my buddy uh, who's a black, black belt as well. Now he always, I'd come back and he's always be like, man, you got better. How did you get better? You were gone three months. You weren't even in a formal academy. I was like, man, I just, I just still immersed myself in it. I have actually have a buddy who's a brown belt under me. He started training before I did, and he he's in an area close to me, and pretty successful business guy, and he's busy. And I tell him all the time, I'm like, man, take five minutes out of your day and watch a video. Just stay absorbed in it, and you'll get better. And the thing thing about it is don't just it's this is kind of like a Danaher thing that he talks about. Don't just watch the video. Watch the video and think about how you would do the move, how you would react to what they did and actually put yourself in that picture of mm-hmm. in your head. And I think that's why I was able to get better because it just it still kept me sharp even though I wasn't really doing lots and lots of I was still training a little bit, right? But I wasn't getting formal. It was videos and then me showing buddy stuff as a white belt, which, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't count how many times I'll be sitting there watching a, a jujitsu video and I'll see some and I'm like, I'll call my wife over like, Hey, um, come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, me, let me, let me try something. Else. She's like, Oh, you get, I'll, I'll call in the room and she's like, what you don't find. I'm like, look, yeah, <laughs> just, Work with me on this one, all right? Yeah, but, yeah you yeah, probably I, never cuddle your wife. You just do jujitsu grabs. It's like, oh yeah, I was cuddling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, we cuddled, and it's like, oh, uh, yep, uh, exactly, <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. The that's the best part, probably. I'm gonna have to say of me starting my own academy is the last two to two to three months. I finally talked my wife into taking my classes. Hey, let's go. Yeah. And she, she was hesitant at first, but after her first class or two, she's like, this is, this is actually a lot of fun. Cause I think a lot of women, they don't want, they don't like that, like close ground interaction with other women. Maybe it's okay with other dudes. It's kind of like, uh, I don't need some random sweaty body around me, you know? And I think she was really starting to enjoy it. And so that, that gets me pumped. And then the second one, which wouldn't happen regardless of an academy is my son's both, I mean, well, my, my one's only seven months old, but my oldest two and a half 
loves jujitsu. He, nice. he, man, he'll, I actually just posted a reel, uh, two days ago and we were trying to do YouTube videos for content mm. and he was, my wife and I were doing stuff and he was in the pack and play with his brother and he got on top of his back and I was trying to give him a rear naked strangle. And I'm like, he's tapping, he's tapping, get off your brother. <laughs> you know, and we have to manage that obviously. But uh, I just tell him, you know, we play, this is for you and daddy. And he starts, we kind of let them tumble a little bit and like be on top of each other. And he'll go side control, you know, and he'll go to the mount and he'll take the back. And it, man, that's probably my favorite part of everything is how much he loves doing jujitsu and striking with yeah. me. And his brother, yeah. and I'm sure as his brother gets a little more mobile, he'll like doing it because he'll have to defend himself. Yeah, because so, yeah, he's gonna be the you know, he's gonna be the Uki for a while, man. So he gotta it's only gonna give him, it's only gonna make him better much faster. For sure. And so that that's where man, my heart really lights up is when I get to do that stuff with my son. And when they're two, you can't be like, okay, we're gonna do bridges. I just we do bridges. And he'll do like three bridges and he'll count with me. We'll practice our counting, right? And we'll do our bridges. And then it's like, okay, dad, it's time to be a horse. And I'll be like, okay, take my back, right? You know, and then it'll it'll be done with that. And it's like, okay, let's shoot hoops. And it's like, all right, I'll take what I can get. And then right. one day I'll be laying on the floor talking to my wife and he'll jump on me, side control. And then it's on. And that lasts for like 30 seconds to a minute. And then it's like, okay, I'm gonna go build my blocks again or play with my truck. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so that's really had to make me focus in because I want him to do that. So I'm sure you're kind of the same where you're busy, where it's like, oh, no, I got to do some stuff. It's like, OK, I, he'll only have a you know one minute span. Let's just I'll take my break from what I'm doing. and I'm just going to do jujitsu with you. You're into it. I'm into it. Let's go. Like so. when I when I tell you when it comes to jujitsu, like my daughter is like my biggest fan because awesome. you know, she like she, like she trains and you know uh, there the, the times I'll you know link up with somebody on the uh like on Friday I've been you know doing this for the last couple of weeks she'll come to me like daddy are you are you going to the gym Friday I'm like I don't know why cuz I I I, I want to go yes and I'm like all right fine and then you know later on that day are are we doing open mat Sunday yeah okay let me go let me go set my alarm cuz I want I want to go so it's like that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get her into like, you know, rolling, trying to get out. Like it's, it's just trying to get her to understand like the serious aspect of it. So it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's fun to play around, but sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta be serious. So we kind of had that moment today where um, she was, you know, like the other kids were kind of like horsing around and she started hoisting or like horsing around. And after class, I kind of had that conversation with her. She didn't understand like, you know, what happened? I'm like, no, you should know. Like, we don't play around during, you know, during class time. Like, you know, it's it's a time to be serious. It's time to play. So she just, you know, it was a it was a valuable lesson learned today for sure. Yeah, that is so awesome. I, man, biggest fan. I I hope that's how my son is for me too, because it, it, it just it's such a it's such a warming feeling, man. It is. So. Yeah, she she definitely like she even got like a uh I mean we got logo I mean not logos but uh hoodies of the logo for the podcast she wears it every day so it's yeah. like she's like I want I want to, I want to be on the episode too I'm like all right we'll figure something out yeah for sure you gotta you gotta at least yeah, give her like, 
15 minutes or something. I'm going to do a quick little little blurb with you, and we're going to do a little jujitsu podcast. Cause, cause what's funny, like, cause you know, everyone, everyone at the school talks about the podcast and she's like, you know, oh, I want to be on it. I said, you are on it. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you are. And she's like, no, I'm like, yes, because you are in the intro. Like every intro, you know, is her voice saying, you know, you know, you're not listening to talk, you're just podcast. And I'm like, that's I'm like, obviously that's you because you're sitting here recording. So, so, I was like, so everyone hears your voice first before they hear anything else. Nice. And it just got to her head. Like, I want to be do a whole episode now. So I was like, all right. <laughs> yes. And one day when this when this podcast is blown up like a Joe Rogan, she'll be your yeah. co-host. And you guys can be talking to all sorts of people from all over the world. Man. That's that's the goal, man. Just you know, traveling and doing jujitsu with my daughter and you know, my wife and well, family rather. Oh man, that's that's the goal right there, man. Yeah, that is. It's the best thing. Kids, kids just, they change. That's partly why we moved back. So during COVID, my wife was pregnant and it was between we can stay out here. And I think if she wasn't, we would have. And then we can move back to our hometown and be a little closer to my mom, her parents, her grandparents, have some help, be a little less in a big metro city. And that it wasn't the choice I wanted, but it was probably the choice that our family needed. And so mm. it, uh, you do a lot of stuff for your kids, you know, sacrifices, man. Yeah. And when they love it, when they're passionate about something you're passionate about, it just makes it that much easier to love it and to do it. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Cause her, 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 you know, love for jujitsu. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to gauge it. Like, is it just because, you know, daddy does it. So you does that like, you do it, but you know, seeing her retain this stuff is is like the rewarding thing because she's like, you know, oh, daddy, you know, can we work this today? And can we work like today? She's like, can we do no gi today? And I'm like, all right, we can do no gi today. So yeah. Does she have a favorite technique? Uh, drop serenagi. Oh, okay. I know, right? I Dang. showed her that. I showed her that one time. And it's just every time we we go, she she it is it's so crazy how good at it she is. Obviously, she's she's not necessarily throwing me because I'm a lot bigger, but yeah, yeah, she turns, grab the arm, drops the knees, drop her forehead down, and I'm like, I can't I can't ask for anything better, you know? Yeah. Like it's you better perfect. go over. If she does that, you better yeah. be going head over. Oh man, I am I am Steven Seagal in it, man. I am flying <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You got to play into it. You got to let them be successful and they'll love it. Yeah. More. Like, you know? you know, when we work takedowns, you know, you know, double leg, single leg, you know, she does her, you know, drops her Nagi. Like I, I go, I go, I'm, I'm selling it, man. I'm selling yeah. it like, you know, season tickets. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. My son gets gotcha. the whole gambit. He gets the, the jujitsu, the wrestling. He does the takedowns. He gets the striking. We do, we do all sorts of striking. The first thing he tried to do to his baby brother when his brother was born. Uh, so we had a home birth for our, our second oh. one. And okay. the first thing he tried to do when he got to meet his brother, he's like, headbutt. And he taps him on the head. And I'm like, okay, buddy, we, we got to do together. You know, so that's already the dynamic in our house in a two-year-old and a seven-month-old. So <laughs> needless to say, we, we – <laughs> It's a good thing my wife is very 
you know, understanding and goes with it. And we take, you know, a lot of it's like, okay, you only play like that with daddy is mostly what mm-hmm. we stick with. But man, yeah, he'll throw elbows and kicks and headbutts and it, and he loves doing every minute of it. So it's not gonna be a surprise when baby bro starts striking back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure. So do you have a favorite jujitsu technique? What's what's your jam? Oh man. Um right now, my my favorite thing that I've been working is I've been playing like a lot of half guard, bottom half guard. Um, working to get that back take or work to get that gift wrap sweep because we got a lot of thick guy, you know, big guys at our school. So when you get under them, you kind of, you're kind of there. So yeah. you kind of have to learn, turn to, you know, to live, live, you know, live in the misery. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be here, man, I got to learn to work something, but that's been kind of like my, my go-to thing. I've been working a lot lately. Cool. 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 What about you? What about you? Um, I'm going to go kind of over time. So when I first started as like a white into purple belt, my jam was like the Kimura and just about anything that was Kimura involved. And then mm-hmm. after a while, I, for some reason, got in my head and thought, I'm too good at this. I got to start working on something else. So I went away from that jam. And lately my favorite, and it's super generic, is the rear naked strangle. Like, oh, of course. I, I just – effective and efficient. I want something that it, I, I always tell my buddy that I want to, I want to be so good that I just, I get on somebody's back and there's nothing they can do. They're just going to get strangled, you know, world champion. It doesn't matter. I'm just like, I will get to your back and I'm going to strangle you and there's nothing you can do about it. Man. And I think, you know, that's just, that's kind of been my focus and goal. And I, I've, I've deviated from that a little bit. Cause I, you know, I've been playing with that for quite a while. Now I'm starting to kind of go other routes from there, but um, that's been a big, big focus of mine. Nice. Outside of the self-defense. Nice. That's always been like self-defense is like my mainstay of things, but mm-hmm. the rear, it, it's really plain Jane. I don't do, if I were to say it's something about my jujitsu, it's not super fancy. It's, it's work on positionally dominating somebody until I get to a spot where I can basically rear naked strangle them. That's, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> if I take your back, you're getting choked. Yeah. <laughs> it just, that's just how it is. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. We have like old school smash style jujitsu. I'm not, you know, diving under, you know, MNRE rolls or anything like that. Like, nope. They're fun to play with. It's one of those like, yeah, I, I want to change it up for a day. I'll go do something. But yeah, on the big scheme of focus, like, and this is where, you, again, you kind of go down routes of things that have happened in jujitsu. But it would, my opinion of it is if you are a black belt and you get in a street fight and you can't take somebody down and you get beat up, it's going to be real silly. And so I think that should be the focus for most people and then deviation from there to be good competitors and stuff. Like I like to apply a lot of what happens high level. So some of my philosophy, like Ronda Rousey, she hip throwing everybody. And I was like, but you're giving up your back and that's a really dangerous precedence. And she is a high level judo Olympian and what happened? She got 
dethroned because somebody did what they were supposed to and they got behind her and then it went south from there really quick. And if a judo Olympian blow, blew that move, it, is that fundamentally sound for fighting, like, at least for fighting, right? And MMA is different than self-defense in the street, but it's it's as close as you're going to get to see in a rule set. And then you yeah. see it with guys like Ryan Hall and like Gary Tonin, where mm-hmm. they, they're doing really good in their matches. They're definitely getting down and heel hooking people. And then the right guy punches them in the head and sprawls how he's supposed to, and then they lose. And yeah, jujitsu go out the window. Yep. And so, again, not that I'm not saying don't have those things in your toolbox, but are those from a fighting standpoint your best avenue to go? And I think if your jujitsu, if your jujitsu can't come back that direction, if you've gone so barambolo-y and worm guard and I'm only leg locking people, like I, I think that's a that's a dangerous game to play and not have yeah, anything man. beyond that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Because self-defense is a big part of our uh, curriculum. It's a part of our testing. Like, you have to be able to defend yourself against strikers because, our, you know, our philosophy – well, one of the many philosophies that we follow is if you can't do this in the gym, you can't do this in the street. Yeah. And you, you know, you practice here. You know, you practice how you fight. So – yeah. We, you know, we play from all positions. If someone got you on top, you know, got you mounted and you're thin in guard, side control, turtle, and we work out of that. We start in the position, they throw gloves on, someone says go, they're throwing punches. Yep. You have to use jujitsu to get out. Yep. It's a martial art. And people, I think, yeah. have kind of lost some of the martial part of it and the art. They're creative. There's so many things. I mean, I see stuff where I'm like, wow, I would have never thought to rotate or twist or do that or spin under. Like the art is beautiful, but man, mm-hmm. some of the martial part and you see it, you've seen it. Uh, I don't watch it, but one of my, one of my students was talking about like slap, fight, uh, slap jujitsu or slap fighting or whatever it's called. Uh, where, uh, you're talking about combat, combat jujitsu, jiu-jitsu, combat or, jiu-jitsu yeah. where you can like slap, sorry, not, not slap fighting, but that's basically what I call it. Slap fighting. You yeah. Know? But man, that changes the game. Mm-hmm. It changes what's going on in the dynamics. So if just something as simple as slapping people is having that kind of impact, think if somebody's punching you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause you've no, seen you. high, right. You've seen high level competitors compete in combat jujitsu and they get slapped once they're curling like a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I'm like, you not used to it. You thinking like, okay, if I can get it down to the ground quick and whatever, but no, once it's get to the ground, you can throw hands. Yeah, you know, open strikes the whole time. Yeah. So headbutts. I mean, stuff you don't really talk about in a lot of gyms. And not saying that you need to be trained in headbutts, but having an idea and being prepared of if that were to happen or how do I deal mm-hmm. with this? You know, I can be on your back digging a choke and just sitting here and somebody can whip a head back and smash mm-hmm. you right in the face. Well, a lot of good that yeah. did. So yeah, you give me like you can't stop, you can't be angry, you kind of have to just Suck it up and keep going. Yeah. And so when I was training with the MMA team, with Elevation Fight Mm -hmm. Team in Denver, uh, my transition there was actually really easy. I, Because that's how I always do my jujitsu. I was never the guy who was like, I'm going to just play a real gamey. It was always, okay, I get here. Can they hit me? Can they punch me in the face? Can they elbow me? Do I have control of them? And so transitioning to 
training with the MMA team was, it was just simple, super simple because now it was just, yeah, they can actually swing at me and yep. Mm-hmm. What I was doing was working. So great. You know? Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, so like self-defense is a big, 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 big part of, you know, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, you know, more so anything, but yeah, self-defense is definitely, definitely up there. So Joey, we got to talk your Jits podcast question, man. Um, your top three people, who would you like to roll with? Roll with. All right. Yeah. Um, who's your Who's your top three? I'm greedy. So Gordon Ryan would be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, current, currently, or just anybody? Anybody. Anybody. Um. Who? Darn. I wish I could have prepared for this one. Gordon Ryan would probably be on there, right? Um, uh, I think Hicks and Gracie would be on there. And probably like a, either a Hodger Gracie or a Henzo or a GSP. They're, those three would kind of be tied. Mm, Just a, GSP would be, would be something. That'd be super cool. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people I ask that question are like, you know, Gordon Ryan, Henzo Gracie are uh, like like the top two I've heard so far. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, right, well, every, everyone wants to go for the throw. I, I feel it. I, I get it. I get well, it. Well, you want to see where you compare and where you stand up. I I unfortunately, even though he's part of my lineage, I haven't got to train or meet Henzo yet, but I know I will someday. Hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. You know, uh but I've got to train with lots of high-level athletes being in in the Denver area, so it it's it's cool, I guess. the The thing for me at this point is I want to learn from some some of those guys. I mean, training with them would be good too, right? To test some mm-hmm. stuff out. But for the most part, like at this point, besides if I were going to just do a comp- actual competition and not just a training session, uh, I, I'd realistically guys I'd like to still go see or train or do a seminar from are like a John Danaher, uh, a Henry Aikens. Those, those two, if I were to say as far as videos and influential, especially lately are probably my two biggest ones. And I'm sure Danaher is for most people. Right. I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> I was, uh, it's funny. Like I was telling my wife about John Danaher and I was like, I'm gonna show you a video and I'm going to ask you, is he excited or is he sad? Or what? And she's listening. She's like, I don't know. I was like, that's the point. No one knows. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that monotone talk is how he is, no matter what, man. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's so hilarious. Yeah. When I, I actually did go out to Henzo's in New York, uh, and he unfortunately, Gary Tonin was fighting in like Singapore or something. And so I didn't oh. get to I didn't get the train. And then we went out there for a wedding for a buddy. And there was a class and then there was the no gi class. And I was like, I should probably go to the no gi class, but the gi class was an hour earlier and we had to get out to long Island and man, I'm still kicking myself. Cause we were, I was just getting done with gi class and I look in there and there's Jake Shields and I'm sure a bunch of the other guys that I didn't even catch. And I was like, man, I could have met Jake Shields. How cool that have been just, a, just another uh, person to, I mean, I've, I've gotten to train with like Lovato and his dad, Lovato senior. And okay 
that man, they were super welcoming. And this is where like the jujitsu community as a whole is so awesome. I got to do a Janji seminar because I was visiting for work in Oklahoma city, went to Lovato's gym, was training and they had a seminar and I was just, I was just like, Hey, would it be okay if I come? And usually they would, they told me typically they say no, because you're not from the school, but they're like, you know what? Yeah, you're cool. And so I was like, Sweet. I got to go to a Janji seminar while I was traveling and it was completely impromptu. So, yeah, it's awesome. That's that's the type of community that's just so crazy wonderful within within the jiu-jitsu world. For sure, man. Definitely a, definitely a, a welcoming community, uh welcoming com- uh, community. Yeah. Is there anybody on your list of like who's your top person you'd like to go see or train with or um seminar from I mean, anybody like if, you know, if we're talking just train with like, I would love to train with, uh, like I was saying, like, you know, people like Khabib, uh, Nagana Madoff, because okay. his, you know, his pressure passing is just, you know, one of the, you know, obviously one of the best, um, you know, people like, you know, Andre Galbal, Damian Maya, Brandon Otega, just a lot of the the really technical guys, like the sneaky yeah. technical guys. I, 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 you know, I would love to roll with. Obviously, you know, Gordon Ryan, Danaher, anybody from the, you know, Danaher hit squad or B team or anybody of the sort. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't care who you are. Like, if you know jujitsu, you can teach me something. I'm gonna, I want to learn it. You know, sure. but those are definitely my like my top people. That's you know, on my list for travel is to get to Austin, Texas. I'd like to go to to New Wave and I'd like to get to B team so I can kind of get a little. The flavor of both and then at some point get yeah. back out to new york city just to hopefully catch henzo at some point like i don't care if i get washed like slap bump and i'm i'm, I'm passed out i don't care just <laughs> just give me on the mats with these people you know yeah. well you're gonna get better and that's the important part oh yeah and that's and i was saying that's the important part you're gonna get better yeah i actually have a seminar um in june middle of june i'm going okay. to uh the machado brothers seminar in Dallas, Texas. That should be fun. Yeah, I went last year. So it was the first time they'd done it in like 10 years. And so I was like, just for the history of it, I'm going to get a picture with the five Machado brothers. And I went, I got a buddy. He's the one who actually kind of pushed after I mentioned it. He's like, well, let's just go. I was like, all right, let's do it. So we went and then we signed up again this year and we're bringing five other people with us. And so nice. we'll go back, get some, I mean, it's again, it's that small, small world, small community of stuff. I have uh, my instructor from Fargo, one of his mentors, and I think for them all as well was uh, Helio Seneca. I don't, okay. know if, I don't know if you're familiar, but anyways, I'm sitting there. I, I'm kind of watching the Machado brothers at a table at the hotel room, and I see him pull up on a FaceTime. And who do I see on, on the FaceTime? Helio Seneca. It's just another one of those like intertwining things that it's again small world of jujitsu small yeah and we it's it's funny we had a moment like that too um my guest who had on uh earlier today uh he's one of he's affiliate uh black belt and we're you know we're talking about uh our our i guess their instructor uh master joe moera and we're just like you know he does seminars and blah 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 yada 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 and I talked to my instructor and I was telling him like, yeah, I did a, a episode with James and we were just talking about this and this and that. And he was like, do you, he said, like, you remember when Joe was here last year, he did that online seminar for people in Australia. I was like, yeah. He was like, 
that was his school. I was like, oh, no shit. Like, <laughs> like yeah, because he mentioned, like, yeah, there's been times where Joe would do a seminar over, you know, over Zoom or something like that. And I remember him setting up to do a seminar in our school for, you know, one of his affiliate schools in Australia. So I was like, dang, man, we met and didn't even realize it. Yeah, it it's crazy. The paths sure, that, sure. that tend to cross the... So some of the other things that have kind of uh, influenced my life through jujitsu is, uh, is I got into dog training. Okay. And so, uh, was I a brown belt at by this point? I don't remember. So I had a black belt instructor. He was the GM for the Denver school and he had his, he had his dog at the school one day and we just started talking and I asked if I could pet his dog, which in Denver, Colorado, man, people just think they can just come up and pet your dogs and do whatever. And, and I was like, Hey, is it okay if I pet your dog? You know, I've all, we started, he's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'm super like impressed that you asked. And I was like, thanks. You know? And I told him about how I always wanted a German shepherd and that someday I'd like to get one. And he goes, do you want a puppy? And I was like, what do you mean? Do I want a puppy? He's like, my, my, my parents are having German shepherd puppies. And I went, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a puppy. I was like, yeah, sure. Give me a free puppy. And I went and did some research. I didn't know how much they cost, none of that stuff. And, uh, I didn't think anything of it. Right. I was like, ah, you know, he's not going to, I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, I see how much these cost. He's not giving me a free puppy, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, I come back a couple, like a week later to train and he's like, you still want a puppy? And I was like, Yeah. So within the jujitsu community, I got into dog training, which also has affected my jujitsu because it has taught me how to, how important communication is. And so Mm -hmm. it's crazy to find other people that in the jujitsu community that are also very into dog training. So Amal Easton's first black belt is actually very famous for dog training. His name is J-Jack. If you've, if you want to, if you want to talk about a dude who's talks about self-defense and who's, who's like into fighting and some crazy stories, check him out. There's some crazy stuff about him, but yeah, come, come to find out. He's like very world renowned for dog training. And I, I think it's the learning process. So jujitsu where I'm going with this for the dog training is it, 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 you, you, you develop this ability to learn new skills because yeah. you, you're not just learning a move or maybe you start it like that, you learn a move, but then it turns into you learn a process and you learn a system of putting the process together. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what everything has been since then with the dog training and everything. So long story short, I have my, that's how I got into dog training. I got, I got my best friend. I got a German shepherd and I bought another German shepherd and I've started training dogs for people. That's another one of my side businesses where I've been doing that. professionally. Awesome. With people and Man, it, the psychology and the communication of dog training, it's its impressive what that will transfer over between jiu-jitsu and, and the training. So, Yeah, man, because, you, you know, jiu-jitsu does, definitely teaches you a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. So you just, you know, you're just incorporating that into everything else now. Structured learning, bodily awareness, coordination. I mean, the amount of benefits that people, like, put on their, like, their posts – for, hey, it'll get you fit and you'll lose weight and this and that. The ones that are super true for everybody is, man, it will give you a level of understanding and confidence and bodily awareness and uh, a family, whether people like to hear that some people see family and they start thinking like culty and random stuff, which I'm sure happens in the jujitsu community. But uh, it, yeah. it, 
it really is a life-changing group of people that that are open and and willing to learn and that's i think especially in this world i think that's a huge thing nowadays is people that are willing to like ask questions and learn from each other because i don't think a lot of people are open to that sadly no not at all yeah i would say sadly yeah but yeah, I, I tell people a lot, like, you know, they ask about, you know, w- you know why I get into jiu-jitsu and, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I've lost weight, I've gotten healthier, but mental, the mental stability I've gained just by doing jiu-jitsu alone is worth everything, everything to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can take out the fitness, you can take out, you know, whatever, but just uh, how much it helped me mentally is just top-notch man absolutely and i think it does that for a lot of people it it really does build a level of i always call it stages you have that stage where you're almost kind of coming in like the 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 potential victim or the the bullied and you kind of get this competent confidence competence to you where you almost have a chip on your shoulder and now you kind of become almost a bully Mm -hmm. to an extent and then you get a little bit further and you're like man it doesn't matter anymore. Like, I just, I don't even care. Cause now you're on the flip side where you're like trying the, the bullies from bullying. And I, I think that's an amazing portion of the path because it, and I, I've actually been looking at writing a book for it to where you, you just go from, I call it like the sheep, the wolf, and then you turn into the shepherd, like the shepherd dog. Yeah. Right. And that it, you see that a lot. And sad, mm-hmm. I mean, some people kind of stay in that wolf phase and, and that's where you get those real sketchy gyms sometimes. But you, like a lot of people turn into like just this calm shepherd that is willing to watch over other people, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think I'm, I'm slowly getting there. Cause I, I, like I said, I love teaching. I love seeing everyone just grow and flourish in this sport that we love so much. Yeah. Yeah, man, good deal, good deal. So, is there, um, you know, anything else, man? If you got, you know, anything coming up for you yourself, uh, your school, uh, you know, man, the, you know, if you want to give shout outs to anybody, man, the floor is all yours. Well, first off, I'll just give you a shout out. I really appreciate you having me on the on the podcast. This has been, uh, this is great, and if you'd have me, I would definitely jump back on in another time. There's always more stuff we can talk about for sure. Of course. Uh, big shout out to all the people that have influenced my jujitsu along the way. My initial mentor, who's now a student, uh, Warren Wiedrich, and then George Anders was my original formal academy instructor. And then Amal Easton is my current instructor that I'm under that I got my black belt from. And my biggest mentor through Easton was actually Foster Bailey. He's, he's been a, a huge mentor and coach for me. And then Elliot Marshall has been another one through, through Easton. And I mean, there's almost too many to name, you know, how that goes. You, you yeah. <laughs> so many people over the years, but uh, I really, I'm just super thankful for the community and for all, all that jujitsu has done. And I really hope this starts becoming more of a mainstream thing that gets into like school systems and yeah, gets yes. into, like, police departments. And I really think it could change the type of culture that we see i think for those that are that are struggling whether they're getting bullied or whether i mean 
there's all sorts of different scenarios you could just talk about, but you know, bullying or whether you're, you got police officers that need to have competence. Uh, I really think the, the respect of the art, the respect for uh, the effectiveness of what you can do once you have the skill set, uh, along with, uh, with that within like departments and schools that meshes together for people to have confidence. Right. I think some of that is just, there'd be more pe- more people respecting one another in that capacity, mm. not, not just because of learning respect through the martial art, but also just respecting the fact that, you know, more people might know it and more be more people will stand up for other people. I always tell my yeah. wife, I really, within my life, I don't have a lot of regrets. I've, you know, I've made mistakes. I've done stuff, but my biggest regret was kind of that high school stage where either you were kind of the person that got bullied or you go, went along with everybody that was bullying somebody else. And the only thing I regret was not standing up for somebody else and just saying, Hey, like, oh, leave them alone. Yes. Because if I yes. would have just said, leave them alone, I was potentially the target, you know? Yeah. And now and where I'm at in life, it's like, I just, I'll just stay. I'll just be like enough, leave them alone. What, what's, what's the problem. Right. And I wish more people would do that. I think it would change the atmosphere and especially in schools like high school, you know, because re- realistically in high school, it's kind of like you're either the bully or you're getting bullied, or maybe you have some kids outside of that. But sometimes, man, if, if there would have just, that would be my one, one thing I'd go back for. I would just, man, leave them alone. I'm telling you, I, 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 I didn't seen some, some people get bullied for just no, no apparent reason. And like you said, it's like, that's the only regret that I really have is like not being able to stand up for somebody because it's like, yep. If I know, I'm like, okay, if I know I say something, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Yeah. You're going to get pulled into it. Yeah. I'm going to get pulled into it. It's like, I, I, I rather that not happen, but damn, (laughs) you know, yeah. Yeah. I, and so that's kind of been my thing ever, ever since then. I, I went, I've, I've have since gone back and apologized to those people that I was like, man, I was, I was kind of the bully to you because I was trying not to be the target. So I apologize. And I just make sure that I'd stand up for those that I can around me, you know, and hopefully try to encourage others, especially in the school system to mm-hmm. start, you know, cause it's popular and it's what everybody else is doing. And everybody else is picking on them or whatever. Like, Cause it's cool. It's like, no, it's, it's not cool. Just treat them with kindness and dignity and let them, you know, if you don't like them, you know, it's really easy. Just leave them alone. Big deal. Just leave them alone. Just mm-hmm. walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So good deal, my friend. Good deal. But uh, at some point yeah, I'd like it. to come out and see you in Detroit. If, if it's, if the offers, if there's an open offer, I'd love to swing out on my jujitsu journeys and come train with you. So. Come on, bro. Oh, dude, open arms, man. Just, you know, whenever you're, you know, in the Detroit area, please let me know, dude. We'll Even if we don't have a class, I we we can get some work in for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds definitely sound definitely sounds good. But uh yeah, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Joey one more time for coming on and sharing his uh jiu-jitsu wisdom with us. Hope you guys uh came from from our tales, uh, please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. And we're-